This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the locker room. It's a beautiful Monday morning. It is, um, it's a beautiful Monday morning. <laughs> the weather is, is just peachy up here in the Berg, Max. I don't know what it's like in the Valley of the Sun down there in Phoenix. But you, I, I was sitting there and I was telling you, you look peachy like you, you just slept two nights in a row in the same time zone. And here I find out you were working this past weekend, my friend. Yes, I was working. Uh, I was, I was, so I was in two different time zones. I was, uh, <laughs> I was in the Eastern time zone yesterday, but I'm back here today. I'm back in the mountain time zone. So, yeah, but I'm glad I, I, I at least faked it. <laughs> I, you know, faked it Fake until, it until it, you right? make it, right? That's right. So at least, at least I looked the part. So that, that, that's what I'm happy about. So we're good. Well, I spent the weekend, uh, my daughters, my beautiful daughters, Esther and Hannah, were uh, in a play called The Nutcracker. You know, one of those, uh, not play, yes. um, a ballet, you know, with ballet, the uh, Greensburg yes. Symphony at the Palace Theater in Greensburg. So we were out there a couple of times, and um, I got to tell you something, man, watching your daughters perform on stage, I'm telling you what, it'll melt your heart. It just melts your heart, man. It's just such a beautiful moment. That was really cool, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we had the, uh, the the Nutcracker thing going on. We had the Symphony thing going on, and then you you sit back and watch a little bit of football. And you, what game did you do? Did you say again? It was a oh, Pan- I had the uh, I had the Panthers Falcons. Okay, and you said that was a stinker too, huh? Yeah, but it was. You know, it was funny. It was a stinker, but it wasn't like the blowouts that we had. I mean, and even some of those, you know, they came back. And we're more exciting. I mean, you think about the Cleveland-Baltimore game, right? Right. That one was a lot closer than we thought without Lamar Jackson. Um, Washington-Dallas. It, it started out bad and clunky and kind of came came back. But, uh, but yeah, ours just – it was never really consistent flow, mm-hmm. you know, between either quarterback, between Matt Ryan or Cam Newton. Like, Cam Newton was good the first scripted drive of each half. Um. You know, and, and, and you look at Matt Ryan and company, they just kind of churned along. Matt Ryan didn't really have a huge day. There was a pick six that uh, Cam Newton threw that kind of changed and tilted, really came down to the difference in the game. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was just, it was, uh, it was a meh type of game. Meh. You know, just, yeah. Yeah. Meh. Meh. I guess so. So, yeah. But I mean, but it, it was still fun to be down there to watch it. I got to see some some of the guys I knew um, that are still playing, so it was good to see them. Young Kyle Pitts, Florida grad, go right. Gators, go Gators, was down there. Yeah, Pat Elfline and Pat Omame, offensive lineman for the Panthers. So, so from that perspective, it was cool. It was cool to see them. You know, it's funny because uh, over the weekend, I just trying to get away from football. You had to do football because. You are just that guy. You are just an amazing tis guy. Tis the season. To be tis jolly. the season. Well, Greg. it was. And tis the season last night. I was at Kennywood for the reading of Ooh. Twas the Night Before Christmas, which they bring in folks, you know, like uh, Nightly. Dick Lebeau didn't come in. I can't, I can't, well, I can't, that's, I can't recognize that. That's the whole thing about it. it. I thought about Dick Lebeau, <laughs> and the fact was, you know, you have experienced Coach Lebeau every, you know, how many years uh, where he recited Twas the Night Before from memory. 
I mean, I had a book. Yes. I had my, 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 my glasses on, you know? And I sat yeah. there and on the stage of Kennywood doing the deal, which, by the way, I hit. I went to the, you, you've been to Kennywood, I'm sure, right? Absolutely. Okay. The potato Absolutely. patch. The potato oh, patch. Oh, oh, did I crush them last so night? So good. Oh, it so was good. so good. So I'm good. talking. I'm talking about bacon, cheddar, uh, cheese, fries, uh, and a cold night. Let me tell you something. That was absolutely scrumptious. Well, there's nothing better. And that, well, you have to do it after the Steel Phantom. You can't do it before. the No, Steel no. Phantom. The Steel Phantom wasn't yes. running last night. It was too cold. Okay. You know, it's like. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Because I mean? there's like snow. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It was almost almost. It was. It wasn't cold enough to is, snow. Is it but snowing there? No, it not cold yet. Enough? Okay. Uh, but okay. it was cold. It was down in the 30s. Uh, I'm sure it will by this weekend. Yeah. Because sure, I have to be on the sidelines. So. <laughs> what's by the way? What's the temperature <laughs> there? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not cold. It, it's, uh, it's, it's what, 50, <laughs> 52 right now, high of 69. Okay. All right. We're getting Sounds chillier. Like you're going to have a nice day. Yeah. 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 It's no. getting chillier here. <laughs> well, very good indeed. Well, I, I will tell you, um, this game, I was just watching more film of the Steelers, this, uh, the loss to the Vikings and I, you know, this you want to talk about such a Jekyll and Hyde type of personality that we've seen over the, the course of this season. You know, um I there's I'm not even sure you can really put into words what you're watching. Well, it is it it's probably one of I think actually probably the most frustrating, I think, of all the games this season. Um just because for as bad as it was in the right. first half right was as great as it was in the second half you know it's like the second half could, of the third quarter let's say okay get, second right. half of the third quarter yeah. to fourth yeah. i mean if you could if you yeah because that first drive was also a stinker too yeah. um but i mean but if you could have just cut the half off right mm-hmm. and just say hey a half of football to represent who you are. You'd want that second half to at least represent you because what you saw was a team that got in rhythm, that was able to stop stop, stop a lot of plays defensively at that moment, an offense that was able to connect drives together to score, and you're like, okay, here it is. <laughs> what happened in the first half? Three and outs. You know, pressure galore. Right. You, you, you know, running galore uh, against your defense. You could you couldn't block. You couldn't tackle. Um, you know, it was just it, it, and and you, you get the frustration that that you know Coach Tomlin kind of had in the post game press conference. You sure kind of, did. You, kind of, yep. you, you you get it. It's like hey, it's JV. It's like I told fourteen year old kids what to do. They didn't do it. I yelled at them at halftime, and then they did it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After the third quarter drive, okay, that's just again you got you got to keep throwing it. It's not but like when, they but, came out tearing it up in the third quarter. No, no, no. It's not, and I'm not trying to paint that picture, but I'm just saying that it finally sunk in in the second half. Yeah, right. It that's a, that's a better in. way to put it. You know, and it's just like it's just like come on, what? Why didn't you do this in the first half? Right, right. You know, what was it that did not get you mentally prepared? These are scripted plays. We know what they're going to do, and we didn't have an answer. Uh, you know, I was frustrated again when talking about watching film. 
watching the the double barrel stuff. Yeah. Um, which double is, A which gap is, stuff. Which is yeah, which is two linebackers up and the double A gaps. You have right. two wide four techniques and then two defensive ends. So that's how it is. So six men on the line of scrimmage. And just once again, the IDing, the IDing, the responsibilities. It looked too disjointed. It did not look smooth. It didn't they were look not like communicating. You practiced it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there was no points, and I mean, it, it looked like a team that only practiced for two days. Yeah, and that, that's that a good point. Never, that that had never seen that front before. Well, let's which, let's put this in here. Though. Throw this, okay? You know how ear splitting decibel level that place was. U.S. Bank Stadium. Is I had no idea that it was such a huge place. I mean, think about it. I played in the Metro Dump, all right, where, which yeah. is the precursor of U.S. Bank, which it, it's built right on the same spot. You could fit you could fit two Metro Dumps into the U.S. Bank Arena. Okay, that's a huge uh, stadium. It was loud, man. Was it loud? It was ridiculously loud. You could see the problems just getting the snap off much less communicating the double-barreled, as you call it, or the double-A gap, as we called it. All right, communicating the mic, the four bigs and the mic, and with the light adjustments that were coming. You know what I mean? When a Harrison mm-hmm. Smith kind of creeps down there and gets to the end of the line, or when you've got one of the one of the B gaps being overloaded with all of a sudden two guys come up in, and you could see guys like going, uh, what's going on here? you got a problem, and you have a center rookie, Left guard, rookie, basically, and left tackle is a rookie. Um, that's, a, that's a problem, would you say, Max, communication-wise. Not an excuse, but let me tell you something. If, if people who go into an office with a, a couple of first-year people and they don't communicate well, there's chaos in the office, right? And it's not like oh, an yeah. excuse because they're expected to perform, but at the same time, you understand in mitigating circumstances when your your ear level the, the 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 ability to speak to the guy next to you is almost nil because of the ear splitting decibel levels out there. There's going to be a problem, and it looked like on a short week they got caught with that. Yeah, no, I mean you you laid it out perfectly, and that that's where it comes to over communication. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know what I'm saying. Like if you knew during the week, hey. We're going into a hostile environment, right? We're 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 going to see some things that you guys have not experienced before because you're an inexperienced line, right? Yep. Um, because let's face it, four out of the five are still kind of inexperienced. You know, throw Chooks in there with it. Um, Trey's the only one, but Trey also hasn't seen a lot of double barrel not not from his Carolina or, or L.A. days. So this this right here. This right here is the most important thing, Wolf. <laughs> follow the finger. Wait, follow the finger. He's got the finger. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wagging the finger everywhere. I'm like going, is this a concussion test? Get Zooks, man. I could yeah. fuck. What? One, two. Yeah. How many fingers are you holding up? But but you're watching it, right? Yes. But you're watching it. That's the biggest thing. That When in doubt, boom, that's my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. Be Mike careful 52. how fast you point, though. You know that'll draw somebody off sides. <laughs> yeah, but but when you're coming up to the line and you're standing there right. before you set, that that's what it is because that's what the center's going to do, right? He's going to come up, boom, Mike 42. My guy, my guy, my guy. Right. All right, we got this one, right? Four bigs Run, and running, Mike. My Running back can see, okay, he's going left. 
That's remember, where his point is. Remember this, though. The running back is a rookie as well. He's so we're talking four, well. four rookies in a situation which, okay, you know, you you knew you you're, this is what you're going to run into. But, I mean, it's still something that you have to account for. That's all. Like I say, I'm not I'm not here to make excuses. I'm here to no, I'm a, we're not. I think we're both realists. You know what I mean? You and yeah. you and me you understand when you go into a hostile environment like that with uh, 60, 70, 80,000 whatever it was and and you, you you could almost have blood coming out of your ears at times cuz the, the decibel level was so great. Uh, and then you, you got the finger pointing, which is true, but sometimes, you know, some guys got fingers that are so dislocated. Who doesn't matter who you're pointing at. You can't tell who they're pointing at because their fingers got so many curves. Well, I mean, <laughs> but but at the same time, like you said, we're we're IDing problems. Yes, and we're giving potential solutions. Okay, that 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 is that, that is our job good. here. Yes, yeah, yeah, that is our job. <laughs> so it's and after the first sack that just goes wild, right? Right. You come to the sidelines like, hey, y'all need to point. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Running back Najee, if he if he points this direction, you go that direction. Mm-hmm. But four, three of those sacks were wide open, wide open, exactly. Jailbreak, jailbreak yeah. sacks. So that's where it's like one time, you know, it's like, hey, that's that's on us. That's on us. We didn't communicate. Okay, we remedy. You come to the sidelines and you identify that problem, and you have film physically on those tablet things that you see. They're blue and white. That everybody seems to have one, you know. It, 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 it's, it it's, looks it's, like it's an like, etch-a-sketch. Like, yeah. Well, I was about to say, and it, and it looks like a middle school classroom, right? <laughs> oh, oh, tech time! Boom! Everybody's got a screen. They're like, "What the heck is this?" And and you're in your everybody's looking, scrolling through. Okay, this is that way. Idea. You make those adjustments on the sidelines after the first one, and then when you get to the second, it's like, "Well, what is it?" Okay, we have to. This is what you have to do. If you're Adrian Clem, you're like. This is what we must do. I'm trying to help you. You, the center and the running back, went to the same guy that dropped. And the free blitzer just came through the other gap. One of you has to take him. Yep. Who is it? You don't do this. It was his fault. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You can't point the finger at other people. And that's the other thing that, you know, that can be frustrating. You saw Ben kind of frustrated when he came to the sidelines a couple of times. Because it was like, okay, these are things that need to be identified. And I get it. You're not going to know everything. You know, especially when we're talking about guys who are inexperienced and that are rookies. Mike Zimmer did a great job of scheming that up. He did. There's no doubt. That's his baby. That's his baby. That has caused problems. We saw Cincinnati twice a year, every year, with Mike Zimmer as, as the defensive coordinator. So we were used to double barrel. And then teams were, were were kind of mimicking them, so we knew to have those adjustments. Mike Zimmer's now in the NFC North. Yep. You only see him once every four years. And not a lot of people do that double A gap. Like, they'll, they'll add it in maybe once You know what they'll do game, is maybe. they'll show yeah. it just for the sake of showing it, but they don't really play with it. You know no, what I mean? No, no, no. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a part of their DNA. They don't yeah. play on the line of scrimmage like that. They'll do it as, as a change-up. All right. But this is this is their base defense, so yeah. But anywho, I, I'm I'm harping I'm harping on it, but yeah, that that that's the issue. We shall talk some more because coming up, we have the great Bob Labriola is going to join us here in the locker room, get his perspective on things, all things Steelers. Coming up after this.
This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Whenever you're trying to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense, it's always good to call upon someone who does have sense, and that would be our buddy Bob Labriola, the Steelers historian, Steelers Digest editor and game day contributor. And Labs, I, I was reading your article um, about uh, the Vikings loss on uh, Steelers.com, and a couple things jumped out of me, but, but when you wrote, that first half looked like the football version of the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. With apologies to the Washington Generals, I went, you know, that really kind of painted the picture better than any picture I could possibly come up with. It really did, did resemble that, did it not? Yeah, I mean, as, a, as an offensive lineman, did you ever see holes that big for the running game? <laughs> well, I mean, I'd like to say know, that we did have some back in the day, but, you know. We created them. <laughs> we, did, we, we, we didn't allow them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, um, I, it, it, you know, uh, what Troy Aikman said, you know, because I was watching the game on TV, you guys were both there. But Troy Aikman said, you know, the only thing I can think of like this is when they script it for practice. Right. That's you know, to help the offense, um, you know, work through with it, you know, with the offensive part of the game plan or the plays that the offense, you know, is going to want to run for the upcoming game. Because, you know, I remember Bubby Brister was always, you know, where's the cards? Because, uh, you know, they <laughs> diagram the stuff on the cards that you were supposed to do, and that's what people did. And everybody knew where everybody was going to be. And so it was, you know, it was easy to get the blocks or, you know, what right. the throws or run the routes or, you know, whatever. It was, it was simple. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, and. It uh, was, it was rough. Let me make the, the yeah. second point you made too is in, in right after it, you said it's especially frustrating because it feels as though the Steelers are wasting the final games of Ben Roethlisberger's Hall of Fame career, if in fact he does the expected and retires at the end of the 2021 season. But there is that frustration. I, th- I think you're spot on. I mean, look at Ben. That was that was a great comeback. He he really drove that team, and it was all him getting the job done basically with some great wide receiver help obviously and and so forth but he really i mean this this frustration level has got to be palpable for ben yeah i mean you know and i and on the um the pregame show on thursday before the game you know i was talking to because mike pursuit and i do it from the studio jerry's on site uh for road games um you know i thought maybe after the Ravens game, you know, to a lesser uh, degree, maybe that there might be some kind of feeling, similar feeling as there was in 05, you know, let's get your own back to Detroit, um, you know, kind of rallying around the old. Guys. Right. Uh, but man, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, as I, and I truly believe that I think he's playing really well. Um, but, um, you know, (laughs) it's things are, and then, you know, the other thing that kind of, I won't say honks me off, but, you know, it's disappointing is yesterday the Steelers got what they needed, right? The, The Ravens lost and the Bengals lost. You know, if you win, if you win the, 
um, the the Thursday night game, you're seven five and one. You're right in it. Right in it. Yes. Um. You you know tied in the loss column with the Ravens, who are still in first place. Um. Yeah. But anyway, spilt milk. Yeah, it, it, it is a frustration, and you know, I mean, it's it's one. I mean. When you think of just kind of where they are with these losses, with the six loss, I mean, is this the is this the most head scratching of the losses, or is that still Cincinnati? Um, you know, where where do you, where do you look at this loss or performance, and where where do you write? Do you is it is it right there, or is it still kind of second? Worst? Well, I mean, I, I it, it, it's the same. And that that's to me the really um disappointing thing is you know you would hope that there might be i won't say lessons learned necessarily, but kind of that's what i mean you you would fix some things or you know do some things differently based on you know previous um struggles now some of the things about the Thursday game you know I can understand you have a really young offensive line. And you have Mike Zimmer, who likes to do a lot of creative things, um, you know, with pass rushes and fronts and stuff. And it's a, it's it's a young line. You don't have any really days to go over it, teach it, drill it, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, I can understand some of that. I can also understand, you know, your body probably has taken some time to get into the flow of another game after, you know, going 15 rounds with the Ravens. Uh, and then you're on a short week and you have to travel. Um, but I mean, it's it's I, you know I don't I I don't know the answer to why this team can is consistently getting handled physically on the line of scrimmage. I mean, to me, that's not a scheme thing or a coaching thing or um, you know. At some point, I guess correct me if I'm wrong. The players have to man up and. You know, as as Chuck Noll would say, you know, don't get blocked, right? Or don't, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, you know, Russ Grimm would always say about offensive line play. You know, it's it's moving a, a guy from point A to point B against his will. Exactly. So it becomes a matter of will and want to, and you know, just handle your particular one-on-one uh, confrontation more times than you don't, and. It's it just it's it's happening far too regularly, you know that the Steelers can't or don't, you know I don't know what, what which it is, if it's more you know just physically being beaten or the combination of not knowing, not knowing fully what you should be doing, and then having that then also get in the way of handling the the physical aspect of it. But you know whatever it is, um, Ben getting pounded. Najee's getting pounded, and you know I can only imagine Derrick Henry how disappointed he is that he's going to miss this game Sunday. <laughs> you know I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're exactly correct in saying so. You know I, I go back to Cam Hayward's words because Cam Cam gives you insight into 
what's going on and in the simplicity of what's going on. When he says we have to get off the blocks, say it every freaking week is what he said. Effort, technique has to be a lot better. We have to know where we fit, meaning get your rundown fits. And everybody has to be accountable. It's Groundhog Day. It's unacceptable. You know, those things are they're, they're truisms. Um, and yet at the same time, you have guys that in the first half were invisible that rose up in the second half down towards the end and were making plays. And the schizophrenic nature of what you watched on Thursday night, to me, is the most puzzling aspect of the whole thing. I know that we can, you know, uh, color by dots and say, well, he should have done this, he should have done that. But to watch it happen and play out in, in real time, to me, is just such a head-scratcher. I can't remember a team that is that I've been around or, or, or played on that had such sort of a difference in the first and second halves like that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, because um, that that's what I kept thinking as I was watching that. I'm thinking, how on earth is the team the same team that fell behind twenty nine nothing, the same one on the same day, the same game, now mounting this comeback? I mean, you give up three hundred yards. Uh, in the first half, and 153 yards rushing to Dalvin Cook. The second half, you cut both of those numbers by more than half. Right. How does that happen? It's the same players. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you flip it around in the offense. I mean, how do you go, you know, I don't know, whatever it was, ridiculous number, few number of conversions and first downs and, you know, all that kind of stuff to pretty much controlling the ball in the game and, you know, doing a lot of things you wanted to do up and down the field to score 28 points. I, I, I don't have an answer to that, and I don't know. You know, again, I, I, I can't believe that a 12-minute halftime in the NFL can have that much of an impact. <laughs> I mean, there's no Newt Rockney Gipper speeches going on because those wouldn't matter anyway to grown men who are professionals. And right. I don't, based on everything I've been told about halftime, you know, you know, by the time you get in there and then you go to get out of there to be on the field, what do you got, eight minutes, seven minutes yeah. maybe? You know, guys have to go to the bathroom. Maybe there's some you know, minor treatment going on. Guys need to see you know, the trainer or the doctors or whatever. I mean, what do you got really? Five minutes. Five real minutes of adjustments. I just can't believe it's that simple. You know, I mean, I I know I, I, I got nothing. I... I I think about it and think about it, and I, I just don't know what to tell people who ask. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's a frustrating thing, and, and you'd like to think that, you know, you can make a, a tweak here and there, and maybe that makes a difference. But usually you're not down 29 points. Um, that's usually when you're down 10 points <laughs> yeah. or a touchdown, you know, and, and that can be the difference on how you do things, one little tweak here and there. But it, 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 it is a frustrating prospect, and I think when you look at it, you, you realize how young this team is. You know, this is one of the, four, the fourth youngest team in the league, and, you know, not to, not to give it credence or not to give it an excuse on it, but, I mean, you just see some of the decisions just being kind of immature, um, you know, not professional-grade attention to detail at times and I think I, I think that's where the frustration is I mean you know even during the midst of that comeback like still 
some moments where you're just like, man, this team is so hot and cold. Um, it almost looks like, you know, every once in a while you see that veteran team, right? You see four straight drives where you're ending and ending in scores. But then, like you said, you've already dug yourself a 29-point grave uh, before you even get to that point to be resilient. It's almost like they're making resiliency opportunities for themselves when it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and that, like that's, the frust- the, that's the frustration. Yeah, like it's, you know, like it's a script of a Hollywood movie <laughs> where, you know, yeah. in order to set up the great comeback, you know, that, that ends in the happy ending, you've got to create the adversity, you know, for the team to be behind. And so, you know, you make it, you know, a Hollywood screenwriter would say, okay, they're going to stink in the first half, and then they're going to come out in the second half and mount a spectacular comeback. But, you know, as I made the point, you know, was in Minneapolis, not in Hollywood. I mean, that's where the, the site was. So I, I just and, – and I don't even know seriously if – and I don't have the talent to be a screenwriter in the first place, but if you would present that to the head of a Hollywood studio, the guy would probably – or a woman, would, whoever, would read it and say, no, nah, this is – this is this could never happen. This is improbable. <laughs> improbable. People will watch this and believe this stuff. Come up with something that's uh, closer to reality than this. So I mean, I, I don't know. You know, and um, here's the thing, Labs. Are you? That was wasting some of the most improbable catches I've ever seen. You know, with Deontay, with Chase Claypool, with James Washington. I mean, those were three. I, I can't even begin to explain how incredible I thought those catches were, and, and yet, you know, you, you come away you, and you're one. You're just one catch short of catching a team that so thoroughly outclassed you in the first two and a half quarters. It, it again, it, it just it, it is. It is like you said. It's a script that you hand to an agent, and he goes, "Get real," you know, and throws it back at you. Well, um, and you know, at the end too, you know, uh, talking about Ben and the game he played. I mean that that read and that where he put that ball to oh. Farmers. I mean that's oh. that's it. Fantastic. I mean, that, Aikman was losing his mind. Yeah. How great a how great a throw was. How accurate, perfect. You know, for the coverage and everything. I mean, Harrison Smith is a good player and he made a nice play. Otherwise, you know, it's, we're down to a two point conversion again. Um, and that's what I mean about wasted Ben. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only thing, the only thing I could think of, and this may be so totally off the wall as to be as unrealistic as my script. Um, but I think the only thing I can possibly think of to try and help the run defense is to come out in hurry up tempo, whatever you want to call it, offense and try and be the team that scores early and maybe you can kind of dissuade the opponent from running the ball so much. They'll start looking up the scoreboard. Maybe they're down 10 nothing, 14 nothing, and think, well, we can't just run the ball on this team. We're going to have to do some other things. Because I don't think that there's anything you can do with that defense that you can certainly count on. There are no The, the personnel is the personnel. And uh, you just, you know, to quote Forrest Gump, I mean, the Steelers run defense is like a bunch of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, those guys going to be in the, are they going to be in their gaps? And you know, are they going to do those things 
like Cam said, like they did against the Browns, against the Ravens? Or is it going to be the Bengals and the Vikings? I don't know. And I don't think anyone else can know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lamps. You got me yeah. going with that Forrest Gump uh, uh, box of chocolates. That's true. I mean, there's there was so much well, truism there. It, but but it, you just nailed it. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, I do what I can for you guys. I yeah. appreciate it. You know, Lebs, thank you so much for switching around and joining us in the locker room. Appreciate you, brother. And we'll be back with more after this. All right. In the locker room with with uh, Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. I, I lost track of where I was at. I'm sorry. I'm still a Kennywood in my mind. I, well, and you weren't reading the script. Yeah, I lost supposed it. supposed to read the Hollywood script. I'm supposed to Come read on. that Hollywood script. You know what? You were. We'll you be were. back after this. <laughs> This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the Locker Room, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. All right. You know, we, we I referenced it when I, I was talking with Labs, and one of the things that was just amazing that night was, you know, you think about some of the great, individual efforts that occurred very you know they obviously sporadically but one of the guys obviously taking a lot of heat is chase claypool and rightly so he's earned um the rancor of of the fans and and some of your teammates there max uh some of the yeah. alumnus uh with uh being a little you know his lack of game awareness but i will say this and, and i've seen this before and play out in different various eras and one of the things that that you would hope is that some of the clubhouse leaders that come alongside encourage, but yet instruct. And you need this as a, an important teaching moment because this kid is far too valuable to just simply push aside or whatever. This, this young man has so much offensive capabilities, and, and he brings a, a, a whole different aspect of physicality to the wide receiver position. But at the same time, his lack of you know understanding what he's got to do at the moment um, that needs to be brought along in a hurry. I mean, he's got to grow up like now with some teammates coming alongside and helping, not necessarily just ripping, reprimanding, and normal sort of stuff. Yeah, you've, you've got to offer solutions. Listen, it, it's it's the Bruce Arians method, right? Like, as, as well, much tell as me I'm about gonna... it, all right? Because <clears throat> so, I come from the Chuck Dole, which was more along the ripping, reprimanding <laughs> yeah. sort of things. Uh, so, so what makes what makes the genius of BA so great, you know, and why he's so well respected, so well loved around the league, and why you're seeing, you know, the successes that Tampa Bay's having? BA has has this method where it's he he he's your favorite uncle, right? You know, and we all know what the favorite uncle looks like, and if you don't, it's he's the first one that's going to be there to kick you in the butt when you mm-hmm. do the wrong thing. He, he's right there. He's like, listen, I, I, you know, he's the first one to put you in a headlock, but also the first one to put, put his arm around you and right. tell, you, tell you he loves you, yeah. you know, and, and give you the keys, right? I think that's the biggest thing. And that, that's, that's that teaching mentor type of thing. Like, listen, I'm going to call you out. When you do wrong, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to hold you accountable. Nobody is bigger than the situation but at the same time i'm also i'm also going to love on you right i'm going to give you i'm going to give you all the accolades when you deserve them 
I'm not going to withhold stuff and decide to scarcely sprinkle it out here and there as though I have this big sack of praise. No, listen, if you deserve it, you deserve it both ways. And I think that's kind of how you have to be. So if you are going to rip Chase Claypool, you also need to offer advice, mentorship, positivity as well to say, hey, you screwed up. I don't know why you tried to, tried to three stooge that guy after that after that catch in the first quarter. You know that's inexplicable. That there, that was that's inexplicable. Head shaking. Yeah, yeah. That that's where you get the kick in the pants. But then when you make the contested catch, like he did, guy was literally screen printed on him like a T-shirt. Right. And you make that catch, give him that praise as well. But then it's like okay. We get to the situation. Guys, we have two minutes. The ball must be back at the, at the line of scrimmage. It must be – put it in the center's hands. Put it on the hash. Whatever you got to do, get it there. Do not let the defense knock the ball or impede you in that process. Rest of the team, if somebody's trying to pile on them and trying to lay on them, throw them off, right? That's the situational awareness, and I think that's kind of one of the things where we look at – the penalty, and then we look at the lack of situational awareness at the end of the game, but then we forget about all the other combat catches in between, right? It's a it's a yes. full sandwich. Yes. You can't look at both pieces of bread and get mad. Oh, my God, I hate marbled rye. It's like, ah, it's on the top and the bottom. But I got this great pastrami in the middle of it. I got, I got this Swiss cheese that's melted. You have to think about think the other good things th- about it. Well, do you think the pastrami overcomes the marbled rye? Because I, I, th- I would have a little problem with that. You know, I mean, I think there's not yeah, enough yeah, no, there's I, not enough good stuff in the pastrami to overcome marbled rye. I'm not a big marbled rye guy. I'm not a marbled <laughs> rye fan either. But but you were making a point. Yes. I was making a point that if you if you go to the right deli, there's <laughs> enough pastrami and jus that kind of absorbs that marble rye, and you don't really taste it because you got so much pastrami and Swiss in there that you're like, this is the delicious part. Let me focus on the delicious and not think on the badness that's actually encapsulating the sandwich. (laughs) That's brilliant. That's brilliant. For the record, I do not eat marble rye either. Okay, good. It's something I will never – you'll never see – hey, Max – there's sourdough. <laughs> there's there's white bread. There's wheat bread. There's multigrain. There's five oats uh, there's and marble <laughs> rye. Which one are you going for? Oh, we're sold out of sourdough. No, 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 no. We're going G- marbled rye. One. No. Give me the next one. Give me the next one. I was like, you have to have a. I'll take. I'll take a wrap. Okay, guys. I'll take a wrap yeah. before I get marble rye. Just just for clarity on that, I will never choose marble rye. It would have to be the last sandwich on earth for me to pick marble rye. It's like when in doubt, like, okay, so I can't eat this pastrami with my hand? Okay, all right, I'll put it in marble rye. That that that's like the only way you pick marble rye. But I think it but but I think for context of the conversation, it's you've got to realize that it's a whole body of work. You can't right. focus on pieces of it. You have to be able to give the good with the bad. And we know what the skill set is, right, Wolf? Absolutely. We know what the makeup is of the physical traits that you cannot teach. You can't teach that size. You can't teach that strength, and you can't teach that speed or playmaking ability. Those are things that are God-given and are innate. But what you can affect, that thing between both those ears, yes, that brain, and you have to mature that brain. 
You know, it's almost you wish it was like a banana, right? You know, when you get unripe bananas, you Ooh, just yeah. throw it in a brown paper bag and let, and then it'll 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 catch up and it'll get yellow. Like you wish you could put Chase Claypool's brain in a brown paper bag and just let it age a little bit and then take it out and put it back in his brain. <laughs> you know, uh, here's the thing. You know, again, talking about the fact that um, you know it's it's about growing up. One of the one of the greatest examples is in that wide receiver room, if you ask me, and that's James Washington. James Washington, who has been fairly invisible through the first, what, 13 games, uh, 12 games, I should say, um, and then comes alive and makes, I think, you know, at the point when he made that high point catch, he went took the ball away and wrestled, out-wrestled the dude um, yeah. along the sidelines there. I think it kick-started everything going, basically. I mean, you needed yeah. somebody to make a big play. And it's like James Washington just goes about his business rather quietly, doing what he needs to do, but at the moment when he was presented the opportunity to make a difference, to, to rise to that challenge of the moment, because those moments are moment by moment. He's not getting a lot of snaps. He made the most of it, both in that catch and then later on with the touchdown catch when he hit the seam in between the corner and the, and, and the safety over the top. That was another, by the way, brilliant throw by Ben. But the fact is, when you – Take a look at James Washington. You see a humble man who works hard and keeps his mind about him, and it, he's not creating a big dust-up. Even when there was the report of he asked to be traded and everything, Mike didn't even acknowledge the fact that there was that. That was just reported in the press. However, that could be that could be an agent thing. That could be something else entirely. But you didn't hear, you know, I, I, I demand to be traded or I this or that or anything. You don't hear any complaints coming from James. He goes about his business. There's an air of humility and an air of humility and a sense of humility, which I think, and I often go back to if Daryl Drake was still the wide receiver coach, what an impact it would have had on not to, to criticize anybody else's in coaching or anything, but I had such great respect for Daryl Drake. And, you know, he passed away and uh, was it a couple of years ago? And he was so greatly beloved in that wide receiver room. And I thought that guy could have really impacted a young Chase Claypool. Well, and I think even more so, like, you know, it's the frustration of it because, like you said, like James Washington, I mean, think about how different how different of a season he's had from last year to this year. Mm. I mean, a year ago, this was the guy who made the contested. This was the guy when it was go goal to go, go ahead situation. We gotta have it plays. It was James Washington a year ago, and he had a ton of those combat catches at the end of the game to ice a game out, right, or to go ahead and put the team in position to score. Like he he was that he was that guy. He was your dependable guy in the slot and was the receiver that was going to go get the tough 50-50 ball. And now, like you said, rarely used and not in the rotation of receivers. In fact, I mean, even for intents and purposes of going into this game, he was the fourth receiver because Ray Ray was in front of him. Yeah. And so for him to not say a peep, you know, not go to the social media pulpit. Right. Right, social and air your pulpit. grievances. <laughs> and air your grievances. Like in Festivus. And, yeah, uh, like in Festivus, yes. you know, you, you must have. Airing of the grievances. The airing of the grievances, please state your business. <laughs> no, he did not. He's just been, boom, he's been 13. 
When I get on the field, I'm going to do my best to make a play if the ball's thrown to me. If not, I'm going to try and run the best route I can so at least I can pull a guy off to help somebody else make a play. But in that moment, he was called, and he answered the bell. He delivered. He man. answered the bell huge. and delivered a huge – I mean, when you talk – you said this to Labs. Three of the most improbable catches that were made in that game would define a comeback. You could use any three of the – if the Steelers go on – Fire move catches the touchdown. They convert the two-point conversion going to overtime. After right. that, you're playing with house money at that point. And you could put either one of those three up on the board and say, this is what this game resembled. This is what it took. That's how hard it was to get to claw and scratch back was this right here. It was body-to-body, 50-50 ball. He, it's in my hands and his hands at the same time, but my grip strength won. That's what it was, and we just we didn't get it. We didn't get it in the end. Time was not our friend, and I know we go back to the marble rye of 14 seconds being wasted from a, a first down catch that puts us in position to spike the ball, and we don't and we don't get to that moment. Yeah, that uh, that about summarizes it. <laughs> We didn't get to that moment, but it's a shame. All right, we'll be back with more. We got the second half of the show coming up. Uh, you got Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. We'll be back after this.